Hello, and welcome back to the Electric Punch Podcast. As always, I am your host, Logan Grigsby, and we are going to have an absolutely electrifying show for you tonight. For the usual announcements, the Electric Punch Podcast stands with people of all cultural, ethnic, religious, racial, and sexual backgrounds. We believe in creating a safe and positive environment for anyone who wants to join, participate in our festivities. So remember, look out for each other. If you see something, say something. Drink more water. Be kind. Love each other. Uh, wear a jacket. And with that, I have the absolute pleasure to welcome tonight's guest, Mr. Jeff Plord, audio, lighting, video engineer. Hello. First off, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to come out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast tonight. Oh, stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so one of my first questions is, you work with a band-mini-orchestra, some may say, called Slipknot. I've, uh... Not work directly with Slipknot, but um, I work with uh, Corey Taylor, the Corey vocalist Taylor. from Slipknot. Okay, so they are nine members that wear masks, usually, correct? Correct. What is the secret to kind of being able to remember names and tell them apart? And can you, can you kind of identify all nine members? <laughs> yeah, so uh, obviously they don't wear masks in normal life. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. Um. You kind of just know them from there. Like, like I said, I don't work directly with the mm-hmm. band, but I, I know, I know all the members' names, and I can pick them out for you. You know, like in what they do. But yeah, like Corey, obviously, I know him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't wear really his mask around the house, and okay, okay, that makes it seem a little easier. Because I was gonna say, I don't imagine how anybody could remember like that many people like that. You'd be surprised that everybody in their crew knows everybody. I have I have five friends, and that's that's all I can get. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about your background. Are you kind of a Kansas City native, or what is your kind of like place of origin? So I grew up in Atlanta. Oh. Um, yeah, I lived there since I was five, um, from '92 to 2015, and mm-hmm. then I moved here to Kansas City. Um, started my career in Atlanta um, with just local bands. I used to manage a metal band there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started there and then kind of worked my way up, uh, became friends with uh, an artist that ended up touring for a while. Um, and actually went from him to his dad's band, which was mm-hmm. a fairly well-known band called Jackal. Um, they were big in the 90s. Um, it's kind of like Southern ACDC type band. Um, they were kind of at that tail end of the, the hair metal kind of circuit and so i started working with them and i toured with them for a while and then um from there a company here in town in kansas city uh that we worked with um offered me a job they're like hey move to kansas city we'll give you some work and uh, i moved here 2015 and i've been here ever since yeah okay so let's talk about a little about about your music what did you kind of grow up listening to so as a kid, um, I listened to a lot of oldies mm-hmm. and classic rock. Um, you know, I, I played instruments as a kid. Uh, music was pretty big with our family. Um, my uncle used to work at a local classic rock station in Atlanta. Oh, hell yeah. So he took me to all my first <laughs> concert, all my, you know, when I was a kid. Like, my first concert I went to was Eric Clapton. That, that actually was going to be my next question. What are some of your first and standout concerts? Eric Clapton? That Eric Clapton, yeah. uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, Rush, uh, my favorite band of all time is Blink-182, and I've seen them like seven times. Um, 
actually got to work one of their shows once, which is really oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little bit were, of a dream, dream come true. Yeah, when they were here in town, um, they played Silverstein, or I guess Cable Down Arena now. And uh, I got to be the lighting crew chief for oh, that. Oh, yeah. So it was very cool. Okay, so kind of what was your introduced? introduction to music on a more professional level then i know obviously you said you grew up with an uncle working at a radio station did he kind of get you into that or no so i when i was younger i wanted to be a rock star you know okay. as a lot of, as a lot of kids do you know and um i kind of thought about it for a while and determined that if i were to become semi-successful with a, a band mm-hmm. and we broke up the chances of me continuing on with another band and being successful again are not just, yeah just not there so i decided to start you know like teching and working in audio and i did that and just kind of moved my way up and it's the next best thing and i'm pretty much guaranteed a paycheck doing it as opposed Absolutely. to struggling as an artist you know unfortunately everybody wants everybody has to be a starving artist at some point if they're right. going to go through that so what were f- some of the first starting gigs and positions that you started out with? So the first band I actually ever worked with was um, a band called Bury Me Breathing mm-hmm. out of Atlanta. There's a death metal band. Um, and I kind of did everything for them. I, I managed them. I, I had a little, I bought a PA system and I, uh, we used to do shows like bars and stuff mm-hmm. and I would bring the PA and I'd, you know, run sound and, I'd run um, lights for them. I programmed some lights because they had some. And so we would bring those when, when I didn't have to run sound, I'd run those. Um, and so that's how we started with that. And then I moved on to uh, that touring artist. Um, his name was Nigel Dupree, or his name is Nigel Dupree. And I came out and drum teched for that. And then I moved on and we, we built a monitor rig. Um, and then moved on to being front of house and production manager with them. And then from there, I moved on to his dad's band, Jackal. Um, and that I was a drum tech and uh, lighting director or lighting. Yeah. Lighting director with them. So I ran all their lights and mm-hmm. set up their drums. And then I moved to Kansas City and started working for a production house. Oh, yeah. OK, so getting into that, you were obviously it sounds like pretty blessed. I already know some friends and family kind of in the business. What recommendations would you give to people that maybe aren't born with or don't have such connections, but are trying to get into the industry in some sort of. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you want to do. You know, if, if you want to be uh, an audio engineer, you know, sound guy for a band, um, go find a, you know, like a local club to try to work at or even volunteer at just to, learn because you know it's you never stop learning absolutely and so like even from the get-go like if you know you know youtube learn a lot of stuff on youtube and ask to go work at a club or shadow somebody at a club and that'll um you know show them what you know and expand your knowledge there and that's a great way to honestly meet bands um who are on the up and up to try Mm -hmm. to who need an engineer because if you do a good job, you know, they'll make note of it. Mm -hmm. So that's a good way to start. Um, You could go work for, you know, ask to work at a production house. Um, There's some in every major city that you could go to. They might not be the biggest and best, but if they're doing shows, you'll get the experience. Um, You could also um, work at a church, you know, like I used to work at a church, you know, 
musical background is experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I ran what, what, what type of music it is. Yeah. I mean, I ran, I was production manager at a church in Atlanta and you know, beliefs aside, cause I definitely didn't, let's say agree with mm-hmm. what they were talking about and preaching. Um, but they were good people. So I was more absolutely. than okay with doing something like that. Um, and then also just being a stagehand, mm-hmm. you learn a lot too. So, you know, if your city has a local stagehand union or a stagehand company, um, you can always start there. You know, it, sometimes you're just going to be humping cases, you know, picking up heavy shit and pushing them all over the place. Sometimes you'll get to build PAs. Sometimes you get to build lighting or throw decks. Throwing decks is the worst, mm-hmm. you know, but someone's got to do it. Absolutely. And you learn to do that stuff and, you know. Then you keep going. It's there's so many ways to start. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you said you kind of came here from Atlanta. Can you kind of compare and contrast some of the big di- biggest differences between Atlanta and here? Obviously, Atlanta's a lot bigger of a yeah, city, sure. But kind of some of the cultural differences and kind of how people come out and support their community and kind of what the working in the industry looks like. Yeah. Um. You know, I didn't work for a production house type thing in um, in Atlanta, so I didn't uh, I didn't experience too many different genres as I did mm-hmm. here. Um, like I said, or like you said, Atlanta's a, a much larger city. Um, has a lot more, I'd say, musical history. There's a lot of musical history here, but I'd say Atlanta has a lot more there. Um, but you know, Atlanta's an A market, and mm-hmm. Kansas City's actually kind of like a B, B plus market. It's I've, not. I've, I, I, I've been told, or oh, some yeah. some might say some a might C say market. A C. I'm not. Depending. I'm not gonna call Kansas City a C market. No, not no. on this podcast. I wouldn't call it a C market. I'd call like Rockford, Illinois, a C market. <laughs> you know, um, where to, to me they're an A plus. Yeah, of course. Uh, no, nothing against Rockford, Illinois. I love that city. Um, been there numerous times. Uh, no, but like, so, but there's a lot of different, there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences, you know, Atlanta is a very big rap town and, you know, rap and hip hop, you know, it's very big in that. Um, but they, they have a lot of rock influence there. I mean, you have a lot of artists have come out of there. Yeah. REM came from there or from Athens. Um, and you have a lot of country artists have come from there. Um, you know, Jason Aldean's from around there, I believe. Um, and of course you have like Outkast. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, there's, it's a wide variety. You know, Kansas City has a couple different, you know, people from here. Like Janelle Monae is from the area. Uh, you have, of course, Tech 9 And, but, you know, I find the people, maybe it's because there's not as many people um, here in Kansas City, but I feel that they're a little bit more friendly, um, not as overly saturated. Mm-hmm. Atlanta has a very oversaturated market and a lot of different styles. Um, they had a lot of great clubs when I was there, though. Um, but I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been a bit happier here, I think, and a little bit. Obviously, I've been more um, successful here, mm-hmm. but I think it was just luck of the draw and timing because i moved here eight years ago almost and so i had to 
grow a bit and get my feet a little bit more wet in the industry here. Absolutely. You know, working for the production house. So I learned a lot more here. So if I would have taken the same route in Atlanta, I probably would have similar outcome, probably not with the same artists, but Mm -hmm. similar outcome uh, success wise, hopefully, you know. So you work with a company called Dino Nuggies. Can you kind of explain to me what that is? <laughs> yeah. What's, what uh, is Dino Nuggies? Dino Nuggies <laughs> Touring. That's actually my company. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. That's just, that's my LLC. Mm-hmm. So that's how, you know, I'm, I freelance. Mm-hmm. I don't work for any companies. Um, oh, yeah. Like I'm not full-time anywhere. Mm-hmm. So when I get paid, I get paid through my LLC. So that's all that is. And it's, I have... You know, my, I have workers' comp insurance and mm-hmm. general liability and all that. And or, a lot of times in order to have that, you have to have an LLC. Absolutely. Um, also, if Smart, I get... Smart, safe. If you ever try to get sued, you're not getting sued personally. Yeah, it's a limited LLC. liability yeah. company. So um, that's that's all that. And it's taxes and mm-hmm. such and fun things. Can you kind of uh, explain the fun name? Oh, um, I mean, <laughs> it puts a smile on everybody's face. Like, who doesn't love Dino Nuggies? No, like, I can't even, argue with that. Even vegetarian, vegan people, they have dinosaur, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, chicken nuggets. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I love, I just thought it was hilarious. And so that became, that became my LLC name. Absolutely. Okay, hell yeah. Because you got, you got to have something kind of unique. Like, I didn't want to be like Jeff Plored Tours. You know, yeah, just like, no, no, absolutely. You need to stand out here. I, yeah. I work with all EDM people. If you don't have a fancy, fancy, colorful name, you're not going to make it. Yeah, it's, and it's something memorable. Like, you know, like, there's nothing greater than throwing down, like, when I pay for something, like, my credit card, and this is Dino Nuggies touring <laughs> on it. People are just like, what the hell is this? You're just like, yeah, well, it's, it's awesome. Okay, so you spent some time working with Full Throttle Saloon, mm-hmm. a biker bar in what becomes the biker capital of America with up to a million bikers partying for one week, two weeks in South Dakota? In Sturgis, South Dakota. Sturgis, South Dakota. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's a bar. It's the world's largest biker bar is how they coined themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be in... Uh, just outside of Sturgis, it's still just outside of Sturgis, but it used to be really close just outside of Sturgis. Um, they were there for, I'd say, almost 20 years. Um, and then a week after rally a couple of years ago, um, the building caught fire and burned to the ground. Um, it was all wood mm-hmm. and all old Old, timey, dry, yeah. Dry wood. So it went like that, mm-hmm. you know? So. Um, but then they moved to a new location. Um, now it's a huge 600 acre compound. Um, they have a huge campground there. Um, the largest permanent stage in South Dakota, uh, you know, Sturgis, when you say you work the Sturgis bike rally, what it is, it's Sturgis is the city. It's a small sleepy town of 5,000 people. Mm And then they All have this a sudden it, huge bike rally yeah. that 750,000 to a million people come and ride their bikes yeah and it's i want to i i don't want to call it this but it's pretty chaos it's pretty much chaos like i I have to imagine there's hell's angels there's biker gangs there's regular people i I mean my parents have have gone to sturgis for the week and my dad works in like insurance and oh there's a lot of there's a lot of doctors and lawyers so you have quite the spectrum of people out there that go to play biker for the week you Mm -hmm. know like so but absolutely like they filmed a tv show um it used to be on true tv um this is full throttle saloon i was actually on the show um Mm -hmm. for two years um 
and it just was the goings on of the TV show. It was a reality yeah. show, you know, but it was just like a behind the scenes thing. And it's, it's crazy, man. Like, absolutely, it's a, it's also extremely dirty, yeah. <laughs> like dusty. Um, but their new location is kind of out kind of far away over by mm-hmm. a bare butte, which is a mountain out there. Um, it's gorgeous. There's nothing out there. And you can, like I said, you can stay in a cabin, you can stay in a tent, you can stay in an RV. Um, and you can go and drink and you can see bands. You can go shoot machine guns. Oh, God damn. Yeah. It's crazy. And you, it's, it's pretty much the wild west mm-hmm. out there. Like there's almost no rules. People like you can go 98% nude. Like girls can have their boobs out. They just have to have pasties over the nipples, but people like airbrush mm-hmm. things like that. It's bonkers. Um, yeah, I did that my, for my parents have told me about it. Again, I did that for 10 years, <laughs> like 10 years in a row. I did that. And, and what exactly was your capacity at the bar? Oh, so I started off just kind of helping out doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on to being the house audio tech for like their smaller indoor stage mm-hmm. that the um, bar owned. Um, so I'd run that and I'd kind of, they'd have like speakers all around. So I'd help maintain that. Um, and then uh, when I moved here to Kansas City, uh, the company I went to work for um, ended up doing, does the main stage out there. Mm-hmm. And so I went there and I would work the main stage oh, yeah. instead. I kind of got to go through the whole experience. Yeah. Got to do a little bit of everything there. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a family there. And because, you know, every, a lot people come back every year to, to work. Um, but, uh yeah, the time for me for there has kind of passed. I haven't been there in a couple of years, but I imagine obviously it's a little chaos, fun chaos. But I imagine that it, it is a lot. It is got long be a lot. days too, and it's hot because it's in the middle of August. Okay, so going from the complete opposite of of bike of biker rallies, you've worked with uh, some boy bands before. You yes, kind of want to tell me about that. Yeah, so actually, um, this year I uh, or last year. I uh, I toured with the Backstreet Boys. Oh hell yeah! Um, as Backstreet a, is back. Ba- well, they All never right. actually went away. <laughs> oh, like they're really? this year, twenty twenty three, um, mm-hmm. is their thirtieth anniversary. I have to make it. Yeah, make and it. so I I'm sure they're gonna plan some sort of concert um, tour mm-hmm. for it. But they just uh, what they were doing, what we were doing last year was making up for the twenty twenty dates. So it was mm-hmm. all just reschedules from COVID and everything. Yeah, from COVID, because um, they released a record in 2019, mm-hmm. um, and so they were supporting that. And we did. I did f- uh, four months with them um, across the United States and Canada, uh, four months straight. And so we did that, and then they just released a Christmas record. And so um, they they went and did like the jingle balls and stuff like that. But when I went out with Backstreet Boys, I was a PA tech. Mm-hmm. So I um I helped fly the uh, sound system okay. and put that in the air. Okay, okay. So we've also worked quite a bit in hospitality. Can you kind of tell me what a good hospitality, what traits are in a good hospitality worker? Oh, um, willingness to kind of do whatever it takes to get it done absolutely you know like are you talking in the industry like in the music industry hospitality yeah Yeah. so a lot of times that's you know the hospitality for that is being a runner Mm -hmm. um where you you know you 
go do your shops for the artist, for the rider and pick all that stuff up. Mm -hmm. Um, or it could be taking everybody's laundry to laundromat, mm -hmm. um, dropping that off, uh, to even, uh, just carting the artist or crew around. Um, mm -hmm. if they're, you know, not traveling with a vehicle or if they need to go to someplace, like say they need to go to guitar center or something like that. Um, so just, and knowing where everything is like we have GPS now, so it's not that big of a deal, but, you know, knowing where the local grocery store is or knowing where the local, you know, drugstore is or where to get the best hamburger, you know, that kind of stuff. So for that kind of hospitality and, you know, even caterers and stuff like that, just kind of like trying to make it exciting. Cause like when we were on tour, you know, I wasn't home. There was a total of like seven months where I wasn't home. Mm -hmm. And so like, it would be nice when we had, not shitty food, you know, for catering <laughs> or if we had, you know, if they just even decorated catering mm -hmm. to where it's not just a white box. Yeah. You know, I imagine so, probably eating a lot of the same thing kind of over and over. A lot of hamburgers and hot dogs and cold sandwiches for I lunch. Love, I love cheeseburgers, but man, I, I couldn't do that. Cold cheeseburgers. That just makes me sad. Yeah. I mean, you know, the lunches were usually pretty boring. Dinners were pretty, were pretty different every day, but also at the same time. Mm -hmm. They weren't, you know, there's only so many ways mm -hmm. you can cook a chicken mm -hmm. breast. Absolutely. So what are some of the more, uh, let's say difficult, uh, situations you've encountered while being a hospitality worker? Ooh, um, hospitality. The most difficult thing I'd say is last minute changes, mm -hmm. um, you know, or if you know, you're picking up an artist if they fly in day of show and maybe their flight's delayed mm -hmm. and it's real close to showtime. Um, I've done a couple shows, not as hospitality, but to where the artist was late because their flight got in late. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't their, their fault. fault. Yeah, absolutely. You can't always control stuff like that. No, I mean, I mean let's, let's look at Southwest right now. <laughs> oh, dude, complete dumpster fire. Um, yeah, I actually did a show where um, it was sudden death mm -hmm. at the Truman, and his flight was like buku late, and so whoever was there playing was just continuing to play, and we had everything set up for uh, for sudden death, and he walks in and, and I meet him at the door because I was helping out. Um, I was doing monitors that day also just helping the venue out um and i'm like you know walks in the door i'm like hey man uh everything's set for you and he's just like all right let's go and so he went on it was like an hour later mm -hmm. but like he went on and he did the damn thing and it was killer you know it was awesome oh yeah i mean like like you said some things are just completely out of your control and absolutely it's awesome when they come in and they take that with stride and they do their best to make it right even yeah. if they are late and play 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 later than they're originally supposed to yeah totally so what are some of kind of the stranger requests you've had weird things that you kind of wouldn't expect any anything fun that you kind kind of wouldn't think of mm, well when i was touring when i was in atlanta touring um we had a pretty ridiculous rider um we would request just Mm -hmm. the most oddball shit like sometimes we'd have like a stuffed animal with a handwritten note to david saying i love you son from mom 
David was one of the guys in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had to be like a purple stuffed animal. It was and things like that, or like we put like we want Lay's potato chips not baked like our tour manager Daniel. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, or like when I was on Backstreet Boys, so some of the people got a little um rambunctious and would ask for like because we had something called bus stock. So mm-hmm. we had a bunch of tour buses and there were crew buses and artist buses. And um, one of the crew buses decided to ask for like green army men and like slime and stuff like that. <laughs> and our production assistant um, ended up sending an email being like, hey, guys, stop doing this or I'm going to take away your alcohol. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're like, your bus stock is not for toys. And oh, so things man. like that. Um, and I mean, I've seen things. You know, sometimes people ask for weed and a lot of places you can't do that, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Some people ask for, like, ridiculous amounts of alcohol. (laughs) And, you know, I've had some some where I had to, like, call the TM and be like, hey, man, like, I can't do this, dude. This is way over budget. And they'll be like, no, 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 I understand. This is what we need. Yeah. You know, and they're already usually have it prepared. Yeah. Usually second. if you're just like, Hey, you know, like I, I I'm sorry, I can't, if you're nice about mm-hmm. it, they're not going to give you shit. Like Absolutely. they'll be like, Oh, that sucks. But like, you know, it, I get mm-hmm. it, you know, and the, the higher up you get in touring, mm-hmm. um, the more the artist pays for. Absolutely. So like in clubs and stuff like that, a lot of times, um, you don't, the artist doesn't really pay for their rider. Mm-hmm. You know, but as you, the larger you get, mm-hmm. the more stuff you do pay for. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the artist pays for stagehands mm-hmm. and the artist pays for, you know, for all the labor and, and they pay for their own specifically. So they're they pay for the, the rider. Team. Yeah. So like, Hey, you know, here's our shop list mm-hmm. and then the tour manager will give them money or it comes out of settlement at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's pretty funny. Like when everyone's like, Oh, you know, like the, your Beyonce's green room you know her dressing room must be like ridiculous be like yeah it is but it's because she pays for it mm-hmm. you know she gets whatever she wants <laughs> you know like does she want chandeliers sure this is what it's going to cost yeah let's go mm-hmm. okay so you just started working a few a few years ago with lucy and we're more of an edm podcast so yeah. why don't you tell 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 us about that experience and being their tour manager and kind of how being a tour manager works. And yeah. you also, I see doubled as production manager. So I imagine that's a lot to kind of take on. Yeah. Um, it's, it is, but it is, it depends on the artist. Absolutely. Uh, for her, she's pretty easy going. She's such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, I love touring with her. Um, unfortunately I don't work with her anymore because, um, I was doing other things this past year. And so they had to find someone else to take over for me. Um, but I actually, um, I was working a jelly roll show at the Midland mm-hmm. and their front of house guys like, Hey man, you know how to tour manage, right? And I was like, well, I've never done it, but like, how hard can it be? You know, shoulder shrug, whatever. He's like, cool. Hit this dude up. Mm-hmm. And so I hit up her manager, um, Nate and, uh, we talked and he's like, Oh, you sound like a great fit she wants to FaceTime with you. Mm-hmm. And so I FaceTimed with her and she's like, yeah, you're awesome. Let's go. 
And I'm like, cool. They're like, cool. First shows in four days. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and the first show was we were direct support for Slander mm-hmm. in Tacoma, Washington. Oof. So halfway across the country. Yeah. And so at, they did what they called it. Uh, I don't know. It was the I, the, mm. the Return of the I tour or whatever. I, but I, it was at the Tacoma Dome. So it was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, first, first TM gank I've ever done. And I'm just like. Let's not fuck this up, hopefully, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, we did that. And then um, just went from there and started just hitting the ground running. Uh, she had, she wasn't like on tour. Mm-hmm. It was all like fly dates. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was uh, going through kind of an in-between. Mm-hmm. Like, she just wrote a record. Um, she has a record that's coming out, I hope, I think this year. Um, and so she's uh she was kind of like in between records or in between releases and stuff like that or she hadn't really released like a full record absolutely and so it was kind of a transitional mm-hmm. period for her um so we did you know we did edc um we did edc orlando las vegas mexico um we did space camp uh grizz's thing in hampton um wherever it was mm-hmm. uh yeah Wherever, wherever that space camp is, uh, we, she's done, like, we did a lot of insomniac events, like, uh, all across, you know, all, we're all the big festivals, Absolutely. you know? And so I would do that with her. Um, I would, um, handle her in-ears cause mm-hmm. she, she sings in her songs, um, in a lot of her songs. And so she wears in-ears. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would help dial those in for her and I would, you know, we carried our own equipment, like we carried our own ears, carried our own um, wireless mic for her. Um, so we got all that situated. Um, and then I'd also have to deal with um, making sure our rider, we got our rider. Um, I'd have to book travel, mm-hmm. um, all transportation, hotels, all that kind of stuff I handled for her. Um, and then it was, it was a pretty low crew. Um, it was just her, mm-hmm. myself, and her VJ. So it was very easy. You know, we only had to deal with travel for three people. Yeah. Um, transportation for three people. So it wasn't that big of a deal um, in that regards. But she's so nice. Um, and I had a really good time with her. I, I hope to work with her again. Um, we still talk. I talk to her at least once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, she texts me. And, you know, I've heard a lot of her new songs. They're great. So it's, it's going to, if you know, she's going away from the dubstep. And going more towards pop style. Um, so it's, it's definitely a change. Um, she kind of wants to have like a band. Absolutely. So it'll be, it's going to be cool. She'll still do some dubstep stuff um, from what I understand. But yeah, she's going more pop route, more singing kind of. Mm-hmm. She wants to be like a Billie Eilish type, like, but not like quite, it. not I quite like that. Um, like more of like a heartbreak Billie Eilish yeah. as opposed to like, yeah. So, but it's, it's very cool. Um, She's nice and uh, definitely, definitely was a good experience. It's my first like true working foray into the uh, EDM industry. Mm -hmm. Okay. So finally is kind of the fourth pillar. I know we kind of talked a little bit bit about this at the beginning, but you worked with Corey Corey Taylor of Slipknot. Mm -hmm. Kind of, can you kind of tell me about that experience? Uh, I've heard you've worked with Not Not Fest, their own music festival up and up and up. Iowa. Mm-hmm. Not many people know this, but they're from Des Moines, correct? Yeah. Uh yeah. So they uh they're from Des Moines. 
I um I started working with Corey. Um this is kind of not meant to be a brag, but it's just how it is. Um he is married to my best friend. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so <laughs> I've known her for years and you know, we got to like I got to like go to their wedding and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um and he, what happened was Corey released a solo record. Mm-hmm. And um in 2021, I believe, yeah, 2021, he released a solo record called CMFT, Corey mm-hmm. Motherfucking Taylor. <laughs> um, and it's not like Slipknot or Stone Sour. It's, um, it's just like straightforward rock music kind of stuff that he didn't get to do mm-hmm. with those other artists or with other bands, projects. Um, but also his wife... Um, is the director and dances in a dance troupe called Cherry Bombs. Oh, um, yeah. And um, so I've worked a lot with them. Um, they they filmed a movie, we'll call it, or a performance called Macabre. Mm-hmm. And um, so I helped with the filming of that. And then Corey and the Cherry Bombs, they went on tour mm-hmm. um, in 2021. Um, and I got to go out as monitor engineer um, for Corey and production manager and assistant tour manager for Cherry Bombs. Um, and that was a very cool thing. It was still during the pandemic. We're still in the pandemic, but um, we were one of the first like real tours to come back or to go out. We were out for like two and a half months. Um, they did a lot of social distancing. Like everyone was in like pods and stuff. Um, and we did multiple nights in multiple cities so Mm -hmm. like we did we only did one night here in kansas city but like we went to moline illinois did two nights there we did two nights in green bay wisconsin three nights Mm -hmm. in joliet illinois you know um because it was reduced capacity so we did that and then um with the cherry bombs you know they've played a couple not fests we did um not fest mexico um i don't know if you heard about what happened then this was in 2019 i believe um some barricade broke mm-hmm. during that and um Evanescence was supposed to go on and then Slipknot and they both canceled um after a time because the barricade was broken they couldn't fix it and mm-hmm. it was a safety issue Absolutely. and there ended up being a couple bad apples in the crowd um most of the people were fine but they ended up rioting oh and like they rushed the stage and like took all of Evanescence's gear threw it off the stage oh lit it on God. fire People and, thinking they can get away with stuff because they're in Mexico well, and they the, can't. The security kind of disappeared mm-hmm. um, at that point because, I mean, it had been about three hours since, like, Cherry Bombs performed mm-hmm. and then it was supposed to be Evanescence. But, like, as soon as we were done performing, they kind of stopped that stage. Um, and people were just waiting around for three hours until they made the announcement because they'd, the crews and everyone in the festival were trying to get everything fixed. Yeah, trying to make it right just, so everything can go on It just safely. couldn't be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, um, and then a week and a half later, we went and did NotFest Columbia um, in Bogota. Um, and then, yeah, worked, uh, actually worked NotFest in Los Angeles um, with the Cherry Bombs, got to do that. And then finally, there was NotFest in Iowa. Um, which was it was two stages, two giant stages next to each other. And did they um, kind of go a little bit extra because that's their hometown? Yeah, and... that was it was the biggest show I think they'd played there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it was sold out. I believe it was like 50 or 60,000 people. Oh my God, crazy. It was crazy. And it was two giant stages, like massive. And the lineup was crazy big. It was like Not Fest and, or uh, Slipknot and Megadeth, Trivium, Lamb of God, Gojira. It, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, Tech Nine played. Mm-hmm. Um, he played that and it was because he kind of like Tech Nine was actually on Corey's solo record, mm-hmm. um, believe it or not. Um, oh, and Corey's yeah, yeah. been on a Tech Nine song. I have heard uh, some of Tech Nine's that more experimental when he was trying to get when he was doing some more rock and roll stuff. So yeah, I did like did and I did like that a lot. He's been on a I think he's been on like two of his songs, and so like they had and you know they kind the fans are kind of like they kind of mesh well. Tech Nine fans and Slipknot fans. Um, so I know that was we a, both have a lot of the local fans who love them because they're kind of from this area. I imagine yeah. he does as well. So yeah, they um, both you know, representing he, the Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he spent most of his life there. Um, he doesn't live there anymore. Like they all kind of mm-hmm. Slipknot kind of lives all over the place. Yeah. Um, Corey doesn't live in Iowa anymore. Um, but kind of like getting Captain Planet together. You got to get all nine people to assemble. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I can only imagine that's tough, like getting nine people and it's nine completely different mm-hmm. personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all different, Absolutely. you know, and so getting that all roped in, I'm sure is not fun. Like yeah. I know their tour manager um, and he says, I mean, he likes it. Uh, he chaotic, says it, he says like it can be a challenge. Chaotic. I mean, because it's nine people on stage, but. He's also responsible for all of the techs mm-hmm. and all the people working on the tour. So there's, you know, that's over, it's over a hundred people, Absolutely. you know, and all the logistics and they have a massive stage set, mm-hmm. you know, it's multiple trucks, you know, I don't even know how many trucks they have. I know on Backstreet Boys, we had 15. <sighs> yeah. yeah. We carried so much stuff. Mm-hmm. There are 15 trucks and 11 or 12 buses. Okay, so you've worked for obviously quite the diverse set from EDM to bikers to ro- to rock and metal, rap, um, EDM. Kind of, can you kind of tell me and compare and contrast some of the pros and cons of working from from with those different brands and different kind of industries and labels? And who goes harder, bikers or Backstreet Boy fans? Oh, um, one hundred percent Backstreet Boy fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> bikers like. Bikers can be a little aggressive, but for the most part, they're kind of docile. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of just there, you know, having they're a good older, time. They're tired. You can't buy a bike at 18. You got to buy, buy yeah, a bike when you're a bit and older. And like, you know, and a lot of the bikers that go to these things, they're mm-hmm. not younger people, mm-hmm. you know? So they, and it's at those shows, it's a lot of like classic rock and like country. And, mm-hmm. um, but Backstreet Boy fans, um, it's a majority women. Um, or females and but like you have people from eight years old to 80 years old you know and they were selling out they sold out every night Mm -hmm. pretty much um and just the girls screaming you know energy this hot i mean they and they would perform for two hours straight it was a two-hour show it was Mm -hmm. amazing you know i watched it every night um but yeah i'd say the bashy boy fans go harder because they're like they're making custom t-shirts mm. and like signs and just 
screaming. Sometimes people throw bras and panties, which are kind of gross. <laughs> don't don't recommend doing that. No. Um, but then, I mean, even like EDM fans, man, like those are those EDM fans are some of the hardest, like hardcore fans mm-hmm. out there. You know, they you have people dressing in a certain way. You know that they people doing flow art and people like the whole, like the plur thing and like with all the candy and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean like EDC in Vegas, like that's hundred thousand people, man. Absolutely. It's insane. That's a lot of people and their EDM fans are extremely passionate mm-hmm. about their music. So they're also, they also are some of the people that go, the hardest I've seen, you know, I've seen more people cry at EDM show than any other thing. I've seen a lot of people cry at shows, but it's definitely been, (laughs) been on the EDM side the Mm -hmm. most. I know people in the EDM scene can be very, very passionate about what they're listening to. Very much so. Um, okay. So, um, tell me a little bit about working with the cherry bombs. I know you said that was a, a dance group. Yeah. How is that different than kind of working with live musicians while you can sit there and choreograph and stuff working with them? Yeah. So cherry bombs are a whole different animal. Mm-hmm. Um, they dance to, they have a you know set playlist they dance to. Um, it's popular songs mm-hmm. and, um, but it's not just dancing. Mm-hmm. It's a visual, absolutely. It's a visual thing, like yeah. It's there, especially with the cherry bombs. It's storytelling. Like they recreated that macabre mm-hmm. um, video live, and so there's a little bit of acting, like mm-hmm. not verbal acting, but like going along with stuff. Um, a lot of costume changes. Um, we had a giant projection screen mm-hmm. um, showing images and videos. Um, they also do fire arts. Oh, so yeah, they have fire fans. Um, they have volcanes, which have this powder in them called Mm -hmm. mycopodium, which is made out of mushroom spores. And it's like a torch and you fling it towards the ground and the spores ignite Oh, and just kind of like a flash. And then it goes away. Um, they also do aerial arts like silks, Mm -hmm. um, and Lyra, which is the giant hoop. And so all that's rigged up and they do things like that. Um, they have one of the performers um, does poi, which is like the fireballs yeah, on fire stream. Balls. Yeah, um, they eat fire, they breathe fire, um, and you know, and they're doing. They even have like a. There's one gag where they had a Bible that burned, mm-hmm. and they'd close it. Um, but yeah, they do, and they're kind of like they tend to go on more. They play a bit of classic rock, but it's more like the heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like they dance to a Slipknot song, um, Spirit Box song, which is they're they're a bit heavier. Um, and they're actually working on a new show. Alicia, who's the director, my friend, um, is actually working on a new show now. Um, so that'll be coming up soon. But I also I help out with a bunch of other things with them. Like I um I help them film the macabre. Um, I help manage their merch store. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, help. I help design a little bit of their, they do like a yearly calendar mm-hmm. and the proceeds, some of the proceeds go to like charities. Like this one's for dogs and they got a bunch of dogs in their calendar, like rescues and stuff. Um, so 
you know, I help do a lot of stuff with them and that's, uh, it's pretty cool. Cause I've seen it go from, they used to play bike rallies mm-hmm. with a bunch of pervy bikers, you know, not, not all bikers are pervy, yeah. but a lot of the people that are very interested in that kind the of cir- thing. The cir- circles interlap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so they started doing that and just, you know, dancing in essentially underwear to classic rock and, you know, stuff like that to now like creating this visual, we'll call it a masterpiece, um, but just visual, this hugely visual show. Absolutely. It's pretty crazy, like how much it's grown and like they have tons of fans and, you know, people all across the world. Um, they just did a tour. I was out with Backstreet Boys, so I wasn't able to do it. But with Corey and, and Sherry Bombs, they went and did a couple shows in the UK and sold mm-hmm. out a bunch of uh, venues there. So that was very cool. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Okay, so obviously being on tour is a very demanding demanding job and you're out it can be i'm I'm guessing and probably be pretty lonely sometimes just being on the road all the time uh definitely draining on the energy you said you eat a lot of the food same food sleep in hotel rooms what do you kind of do to keep your spirits up and maintain a positive attitude throughout that entire experience and what kind of recommendations would you give to people who might start touring for the first time so it's it is pretty tiring um Luckily, it wasn't too bad. With Backstreet Boys, we did um, mostly it was like two two in a rows, mm-hmm. um, which is like two shows in a row, like back to back, two nights um, in two different cities. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we did three in a row. Sometimes we did one offs, you know. Um, but we're not in a hotel room every night, only on days off. Um, other times we're sleeping on the tour bus. Um, and you have your own little area. You have a bunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like... Uh, you kind of all your stuff's in there. There's up to twelve people on a bus. Mm-hmm. They try not to do twelve people because it's a lot. Yeah, we had we had eleven. Um, but yeah. you have you have eleven people with all their stuff in the bus, and not, you have a front lounge right. and a back lounge. Um, and you know we have satellite TV on those, mm-hmm. and we have a little mini kitchen, and there's a bathroom. Uh, only number one, don't poop yeah. on the bus. You know. Um, and you know you have your bunk um up to you know luckily we live in the age of technology to where you know you can facetime your significant other absolutely um or you know texting and that definitely helps um when we had extended days off you know people would fly their significant others out Mm -hmm. um to come and see them and uh you know like i had uh my boyfriend out um couple times like my birthday we were in toronto mm-hmm. um and we were actually off for my birthday for a couple yeah. days so i had him come out to there uh, we did some rehearsals in nampa idaho um sorry idaho but i did not <laughs> have a good time there it was extremely boring um i'm not so, even convinced Idaho's real man oh man it's that's it's just greater Ohio. Legit potatoes. Um, no, it was fine. It was right outside Boise. Um, we had an all right time there, but it was also kind of boring. It wasn't the most happening city. Mm-hmm. But we were there for a week doing rehearsals because we were changing over from uh, sheds, amphitheaters, to arenas. So the show was changing. And so I brought him out for that. Um, so we'd have people, you know, people would have their significant others out throughout the tour. Sometimes they'd ride the bus. They'd, you know, like, hey, is it cool if yeah. Susie rides the bus with us? Yeah, sure, whatever. Um, 
So that, that definitely helps. And especially with how long that tour was, because that was, that one was four months straight mm-hmm. nonstop. So I didn't get to come home at all during that time. Um, so, you know, you have, you have a couple of your luxuries, like you have, you decorate your bunk if you want to, like I put some lights in my bunk mm-hmm. and made it my own. Um, but, and you know, in the hotels, you're not, if you're in a different hotel, you know, yeah, I can't really do every time you're there. not, every time you're not, uh, on the bus, which is great. I, you know, I, I don't mind staying in hotels. Um, it, cause on the bus, your bus, your bunk is like smaller than a twin. It looks like a twin mm-hmm. size mattress. Mm-hmm. It's a little coffin. And so, and then you get to go into a hotel and sleep in a king size bed and take a yeah. long, hot shower instead of sh- showering in the venue, <laughs> you know? So it, uh, you, there's a lot of different things you try to not go crazy. Some people do illicit substances. Some Absolutely. people drink. Um, something, something, no I, matter what industry you're in, you're going to have to deal yeah, with Yeah, I mean, like personally that. me, I was, um, I was pretty tired. So mm-hmm. I would, you know, I'd stay up. I'd hang out with a couple of people on the bus and then go to bed because I would, my day would start between 7.30 and 8 every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes earlier, but usually around seven thirty, eight o'clock a.m. And I'd work until like one thirty a.m. Yeah, so you're long demanding hours. Long demanding hours. Um, you gotta love it because if you're not, if you don't, you'll you'll crash. And Absolutely. luckily, it becomes a family. So if someone starts to struggle, um, kind of pick up on people that. pick up and help out, you know, and try to rectify the situation. Absolutely. But it's not for everybody. You know, I've, I've seen people leave because they just couldn't handle it. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm, absolutely. You know? Okay, so um, have you ever been starstruck before? And have, how do you kind of deal with nervousness and nerves or st- and stuff like that? Mm, starstruck? Like, I, would, I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't really feel like I have been. Um, because at the end of the day, they're all just people, too. Absolutely. Just in an extraordinary circumstance, you know, like, so it's one of those things that just kind of like, ever, a lot of other people are starstruck with them. Mm-hmm. And so like, I try to just, if I ever interact with like an artist or mm-hmm. someone famous, um, I try to keep it cool, Absolutely. you know, and there's been times, you know, like when we played Toronto, Drake came out. Mm-hmm. And for the entire show, he was literally standing 10 feet behind me watching oh, the show, man. like five and out. And so I was just like, oh, that's cool. But it was also <laughs> a little nerve wracking because he had his security with yeah. him. So I'm just like, I don't want to make a wrong move and get tackled by somebody. I don't know. <laughs> um, but like, you know, like Backstreet Boys, they have their own security. Corey has his own security mm-hmm. along, you know, with Slipknot have their own. Um, when you get to a point like that. But honestly, it's that kind of makes you a little bit more nervous because you don't want to make a wrong step. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also kind of feel the room. Like if the artist doesn't want to be talked to, don't push it. Absolutely. You know, like I wouldn't go up and be like, yeah. Hey Johnny, how's it going? You know, like <laughs> I would wait for them to approach me mm-hmm. um, because again, you don't know. Mm-hmm. So like you don't, that's I guess part of not being the starstruck. Like, you wait for them to interact. And by the time if they interact with you, it's because you've seen them a bunch. Absolutely. You know, so you're kind of just like, oh, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really been starstruck, but mm-hmm. I can definitely see how it is a thing. Absolutely. So you've worked so many different jobs from 
tour managers, production managers, monitor engineers, hospitality, drum bass, tech bass, side ops. You've done pretty much it all. What do you kind of think are some of the more challenging jobs that you wouldn't think are as hard as that as they are? Oh, they're all pretty challenging mm -hmm. in their own rights. Um, you know, some of them are easier for me than others. Um, just because I'm more confident or have more experience in it, mm -hmm. you know, like I love to run monitors. That mm -hmm. is my favorite thing to do. Um, so that is what I try to do as like my main gig. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'll take whatever I can get within reason, you know, Absolutely. obviously. Um, and the pay has to be right too. Like, mm -hmm. let's be honest. Like I love doing what I do, but it's my job. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if I'm working super hard and getting paid not a whole lot, I'm probably not going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you have to just kind of get by mm -hmm. or just to get your foot in the door. Like if you're going with a smaller artist because it's a bigger management company, mm -hmm. um, sometimes you just take that to try to move on up with them. Absolutely. Okay. And so what, what are some of the things that you're most proud of and like how do you know like when a show's going great and like you can can smile and what are some of the shows that you're most proud of being a part in um great question so i mean i'm proud in 99.8 percent of all the mm -hmm. shows that i do um because i i could not be doing it tomorrow mm -hmm. you know it's a very very small niche industry um, and sometimes, um, it just ends up not working out. Um, and I've seen some people just leave the industry cause it wasn't for them or they got so burnt out on it, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, I try to, I try to take pride in everything I do. Um, there's some things that are way cooler than others, you know, like, you know, this year I like I said, I was out for eight months mm -hmm. this year i did i did code orange for two months mm -hmm. um which the first half of it was support for corn mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i got to do that and then we did a headline tour and then i went directly into backstreet boys mm -hmm. and did that for four or four and a half months um that was cool i mean they're literally the largest boy band of all time Absolutely. you know over a hundred and something odd million records hey that k-pop's starting to pop off you, you know they still still can't catch them <laughs> and then you know i did uh pet shop boys in new order for a little mm -hmm. while this year which was very cool because that's classic 80s synth pop absolutely and um you know i've just i did a festival uh earlier this year in dallas fort worth Mm -hmm. um, it was a rap festival, and I got to see uh, T.I. was the headliner, and Lil Jon was there, uh, Chingy, Baby Bash, you know, was, and a bunch of, sh bunch of sh shit like that. It was, it was cool. But, uh, I mean, and then I've worked some not-so-great shows, mm -hmm. you know? Like, um, I've had to work some club shows, and I'm not a huge country music fan, but uh, I've worked some country shows, and I'm okay with that, you know? Let's... There's a lot of money in country music, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Um, but you know, I've worked club shows and they've been great too. You know, I worked at the Midland, I worked at the Truman. Um, yeah, you know, just try to take pride in everything you do. Um, and biggest thing is if you don't, if you make a mistake, 
or don't know what you're doing, own up to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that'll, that'll show that you truly care because you want to make yourself better, you know? And so that's, that's a big thing that I, that I try to take pride in is owning up to my mistakes. Absolutely. You Absolutely. know, over, over doing shows, like trying to just be an honest person, mm-hmm. sometimes oh. too honest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we are getting a little close on time, so I probably got time for one last question. Sure. And that would be, obviously, the music industry is hard, hard to work in. Hard, not hard to work in, hard to get into, hard to be successful, hard to keep all that energy. It's not, it's not easy. Right. So what qualities do you think, and what do you think it takes to be successful in the music and industry today? Definitely a strong work ethic. Um, because you are going to work a lot, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're going to work a lot and you might not have a instant, um, a instant gratification of, you know, Absolutely. like the cool it gigs it doesn't start. It doesn't start easy. No, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to start at the top of the chain. You know, mm-hmm. you got to work your way up and sometimes you're going to be shoveling shit, you know? Absolutely. Um, so strong work ethic. Um, the uh quest for knowledge you know you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta always learn you know learn something new every day whether it be in the industry or not mm-hmm. you gotta learn something new every day and make something small go read a piece of trivia you know but learn something new every day or like hone your craft watch a bunch of youtube videos from people who've been doing this for longer than you or something like that you're that's part of the industry that you haven't done you know, learn that. Like I, I watch a bunch of YouTube videos on the industry all the time still. And like about gear and stuff to try to just further my, expand my horizons. Um, so those are really the two big things is, you know, be willing to work and be willing to learn Mm -hmm. and just keep at it. Like if you really want to do it, you're going to have good times. You're going to have bad times. Mm -hmm. Don't give up, you know, Success will come to you. Now, what success looks like to you is different from person to person. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, if you keep working at it, something's going to come of it. Absolutely. You just got to keep, it's like anything. You just got to put in that time, effort, energy. You can't give up. I absolutely agree. Work, work ethic. You yeah. got to keep at it. So we are getting a little bit close on time. So I'd like to thank you for coming on. Is there anybody you'd want to shout out to or any thing coming up that you'd like to talk about or anything like that before we get going i don't have anything coming up quite yet it's still early in the year so there's people are still trying to plan tours and such um but if i've worked with you before um appreciate y'all giving me the opportunity there's a lot of you to name probably too many of you to name so i do appreciate that um if anybody's looking to get into this industry like i said Mm -hmm. keep pushing you know, you'll start at the bottom. Maybe you'll get lucky and start somewhere higher, but like, just keep trying. You know, it's if you really want to do it, you can do it. It's not for everybody, but you know, there's always there's always a spot for someone. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, I'd like to thank you for your time, and I really appreciate it. It's been an absolutely excellent podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. And then Kansas City, I'd really like to remind you that like, subscribe, shares, anything like that is super appreciated. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your grandpa. So thank you. You guys stay safe, wear a sweater, um, and stay sexy, Kansas City.
Stay sexy.